0: Today's Survivor Game Changer preview is sponsored by Nature Box, great tasting healthy snacks delivered right to your door. Nature Box has got all the fan favorites. Check out the wide variety of over 100 healthier for you snacks all delivered right to your door with Nature Box. And right now, you save even more. Nature Box is offering our listeners 50% off your first order when you go to naturebox.com/rhap. That's naturebox.com/rhap for 50% off your first order at naturebox.com R-H-A-P. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Cisternino back here with another Survivor Game Changers preview number seven. And this time around, we are talking about all the Thomases. JT Thomas, fan favorite Sierra Dawn Thomas, all in one episode. So we're going to get it kicked off first with Lindsay Resco. She is going to talk about JT's two seasons in Survivor Token Sheens and Survivor Heroes versus Villains. And we will talk about the highs and the lows and what we can expect from JT in Survivor Game Changers. And then Tom Tamillo is going to talk with me about Sierra Dawn Thomas and what she did Back in Survivor Worlds Apart, she was a part of the Blue Collar Tribe. She made it, believe it or not, all the way to the finale in that season. So we're going to talk through what was going on there. Tom feels like you're sleeping on Sierra Dawn Thomas. Wake up, people. He's got all of the Sierra gameplay from that season. And he's going to talk with me and make a case why she could barrel through the competition standing up all the way to a win in Survivor Game Changers. So excited about all of that. Of course, on Wednesday, I had my Survivor Game Changers preview number six, where we talked about Malcolm Freeberg and Sarah Lucina. thought that was a very fun episode of this series. You can check that out on robinswebsite.com where we also have a conversation that I had with Erin Sebula from ET Canada. She was out there on location. She did a lot of great interviews with the cast of the show. You could see them all on the ET Canada Survivor homepage. All the links are there when you check out that interview that is also up on website.com. And to make sure you don't miss any of the podcasts, you can subscribe to the podcast. Go to com slash iTunes for the iTunes link. And we always appreciate the feedback and the star ratings. And if you wanted to be so kind, you could even do that as you're listening to the show. always appreciate that. All right. So first we're going to get into my conversation with Lindsay, going back through JT's two seasons. Thought this was a really fun, deep dive into all things JT. I think we learned some things along the way about what's working and not working for JT. Hope you enjoy our JT preview. All right, let's get into talking about another one of the winners that's coming back this season, he is the winner of Survivor Token Jeans, but he also is someone who was named as making the worst move in Survivor history at the Heroes vs. Villains finale. So we have a lot to dig into with a woman who's very excited to talk about JT Thomas. Please welcome to the podcast, Lindsay Resco. Lindsay, how are you?
1: I am excellent. How are you doing, Rob?
0: Very excited. I think that this should be a fun one that we have uh, a lot to get through talking about the survivor career of JT. I can't wait. So, Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, You haven't been on the podcast before, but you reached out a very impressive resume that you sent in about why you should be our JT expert. So first, tell us a little bit about yourself and then why was JT the person you wanted to talk about with us?
1: Yeah, uh, so my name is Lindsay Resco. I am from New Jersey and I am a very longtime Survivor fan. I've been watching season one with my family since I was eight years old. Um, and my sister is actually an OG patron. She's been a patron since, I don't know, 2012 or something like that. Yes, Laura. Um, so she's really involved in the community. So I've been listening to hap because of her and I've been going to some live know it alls because of her since 2014. And, um, a huge JT fan. So, this is really checking something off my bucket list to get to talk to you about. What is it this. about
0: JT that was so appealing to you?
1: He is just a delight to watch on Survivor. I mean, JT has such a fascinating story arc. Here's somebody that we see come in in Survivor Token Chains and plays what we would call a perfect Survivor game, right? He gets no votes cast against him the entire season and wins the season in a 7-0 vote in the final Tribal Council. And then, you know, only one Survivor calendar year later, JT comes back in Heroes versus Villains, and he's, you know, very aptly named a hero. We're all excited to see him again. And, uh, you know, he makes one of the biggest blunders that we've ever seen in Survivor history. So I just think he has such a fascinating story arc. He has so many hilarious character moments. And I just think he's really a very charming player. I'm not usually a fan of the bro types as much. Mm -hmm. um, And I think he's just so charming. He's the exception to that.
0: I think what's really fascinating for me to dig into here today is sort of the radical shift that JT makes in between season 18 and season 20. And I only wonder how he's going to come back and play after such a long layoff, whether he has some new evolution that he's going to make, or if we're going to see some sort of JT three hundred and sixty, where he's going to be right back to where he was in token cheese, <laughs> which was so effective. So yeah, absolutely. Let's see if we could sort of try to figure out where he might be going. But let's go back and uh, just talk about the big picture of JT. What are some misconceptions people have about JT Thomas?
1: Um, I think probably the biggest one is how closely that people uh, link his and Stephen's game in the sense of I think sometimes. Um, JT is often considered the brawn and the charm of that Steven JT alliance. And I think Steven is also just considered the brains of it.
0: No charm. I, think that's, I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Steven is just very charming, but I don't think that's really his narrative in token chains. <laughs> um, and, and I don't think actually think that's accurate. I think that that JT is a very strategical player in token chains as well. Mm-hmm. So I think he often doesn't get the credit he deserves or his smarts that he brings into the game.
0: So let's go back and talk about JT's winning run in Survivor Token Sheens. And it really seems like that's a season where no matter what player you talk to in that season, they all wanted to work with JT. There was something about him where based on first impression, Every single person's like, I want to work with that guy.
1: Oh, my God. Absolutely. Every single person has a quote where they say something about what a wonderful person that JT is.
0: Yeah. And early on, he's really thrust into a leadership role with Jalapow. And him and Steven end up making, if not a day one bond a very early game bond where they end up never turning on each other really until the final trial council.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's day two that JT and Steven align and sort of, they start this beautiful bromance where it, it really is the beginning of the love story between, you know, Tom Sawyer and Holden Caulfield, this really unlikely couple. And they, they have what I consider a very true friendship that they take all the way to the end of the game.
0: Okay. So could you talk a little bit about what JT is doing in the pre-merge of the Survivor Token Chains? Again, there's no swap, but there is Exile Island. There is the Exile Alliance, which Steven is getting pulled into. So just take us through JT's game in the pre-merge.
1: Yeah, I think (laughs) JT is actually fascinating. He's one of the only returning players for Game Changers that has never experienced a tribe swap, which I think will be interesting. But yeah, Token Chains plays pretty straight through. They have no swap. There's no idle play. So the the pre-merge is basically pretty straightforward. Um, Jalapao loses four times in the pre-merge. So he is facing tribal councils a fair bit. And exactly as you said, he's the leader on his tribe. He's a provider. He's going fishing. He's building the fires and he's building relationships with people. Basically, everybody on his tribe loves him. Spencer might, you know, respect him out of fear more than anything. Mm -hmm. But but his tribe mates, he's really getting along with Joe, Taj, Stephen. These are people he's forming very meaningful bonds with. And Stephen in particular, of course, he aligns with early. And then he sort of pulled into that exile alliance as well when he finds the immunity idol in Stephen's bag by accident and then sort of forms this bond with Stephen and Taj. Which will ride him through the rest of the game.
0: I want to talk about the stuff that goes on with Spencer a little bit, and I think that's probably the worst look <laughs> for JT in all of token genes. No. Yes. Uh, well, look, look. That I mean, that's a, still a pretty high bar. You know, the worst part <laughs> yeah. of JT and Survivor token genes, but he ends up really getting down on Spencer because he feels like that Spencer is the person causing them to lose. That he is such a warrior in the challenges that Jeff Probst is so impressed that he loses a tooth in one of the challenges and he's just keeps on going, but he does seem to lose his patience with Spencer. Do you think that that could potentially be something that is potentially leading to his undoing in season 34? If he's on a tribe that is losing immunities?
1: No, honestly, I don't. It's, it's so funny. I actually think that that moment with the tooth and with Spencer is one of JT's highlights and really is, is sort of paints a picture of him as a person that he is just, So competitive that JT, it doesn't really matter what you're doing in a strategic sense pre-merge. All JT wants is for you to give 110% in the challenges. And he's doing it to such a point where there is that hilarious scene where he literally gets his tooth knocked out in the middle of a challenge and he spits it on the ground. And Jeff Probst actually stops and says, hey, hey hold up, let's go get that tooth. And then Brandon goes and, and picks up the tooth and and Jeff goes to hand it to him. And JT says, I don't want it. Yeah. And Jeff pockets it. But I think that's such an awesome moment. And then they do go back to camp. And here is JT now who is talking about at uh, that point, the decision is between, are we looking at Spencer to get rid of, or are we looking at Hodge to get rid of? And JT really just wants somebody at that point who is going to give 110% in the challenges. And in that moment, he doesn't believe that it's Spencer. And I think that says a lot about who JT is in the game of Survivor. He wants to win. So it's interesting in the evolution of strategy, you and Josh talked a little bit about how it's almost a bully moment for JT. I don't necessarily think it is. I, I think that that was an OK move for him. I think getting rid of Spencer there is an OK move for him. And I think it quite honestly is it is an
0: awesome TV moment. At the last vote before we're going to get to the merge, they have to make a decision to vote off Joe or vote off Sydney. Do you feel like that they made the correct decision to vote off Sydney before they got to the merge?
1: I mean, probably not, because at that point, too, Joe was already injured. So they probably should have taken Joe out. And then they would have had an extra number once they had reached the merge. They could have merged at a true Mm 4-6. And while they do merge at a 4-6, Joe gets medevaced pretty quickly after that. So it was probably the wrong call at the time.
0: Yeah. And on top of that, though, also, isn't Joe, he has like some sort of like side thing going on with Aaron that it seems like that had he not gotten medevaced out of the game. Is it a possibility that that would have come back to burn them?
1: I think Erin probably flips over towards Joe and the rest of the Jollipow Alliance after the merge, I think is the most likely scenario because she had no love lost for Tim Beer at all. So probably.
0: Fair. All right. So let's talk about where JT really starts to shine here in this season when him and Steven and Taj, where sadly we lose Joe, the great Joe Dowdle. Uh, to medical evacuation in one of the greatest Survivor episodes of all time at the Token Jeans Merge. We end up losing out on Joe, and now we're down to just three people left from Jalapow. But that Coach and Tyson and Debbie are really enamored with Steven and JT. So could you talk to the great length that Steven and JT go into to really get this Warriors Alliance going?
1: Oh, yes. They have to beg and plead for it. No, as soon as they walk into the door. I mean, Timbira, I think, had been together for too many days at this point. They hadn't been to tribal council in a very, very long time, and they were just itching to get rid of each other. Particularly, Coach hated the fact that Brendan had been called the leader of that tribe and was just itching to vote him out. So really, as soon as JT and Stephen walked in the door, um, Coach immediately approaches JT. And again, I think this is the type of thing where we're often lumping in the language of JT and Steven. But I do think it was really JT here that was the appeal to coach. JT is the warrior. JT is the tough guy. He's the leader. He's the provider. So JT is the kind of guy that coach wants to align with and is the reason coach reaches out here.
0: And coach is another one of these people. that says, I'm looking at this guy on day one and I'm saying I need to have this guy <laughs> in my alliance. He's got the eyes of a warrior.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He says, you know, JT has an open, honest face. He looks approachable. This is the kind of guy I want on my team. And, you know, coach, coach loves him from before when he meets him.
0: Is it fair to say coach had a man crush on JT?
1: Absolutely. I think it is fair to say every man on the season has a man crush on
0: JT. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of every that woman as well. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, this is a, a coach quote about JT. And I, I believe this is right after the merge. This is, I knew for the first time I looked at JT, I saw the cowboy boots, the open on his face. And I said, he's a good old boy. We're kindred spirits, both love the outdoors and we're both warriors. Mm -hmm. That's coach's two cents on JT, right? When he meets him.
0: JT and Steve and Etage, all on board to be working with coach and Tyson to start to take out Brendan and eventually Sierra. And we have this new warriors Alliance moving forward. Now, At some point also, does JT get fed a bill of goods? Is it by Tyson or JT about how Brendan was coming after JT?
1: Yes, Tyson tells him how Brendan is coming after him now at this point. Um, But also, Brendan also approaches JT in that window of time as well for an alliance.
0: Now that they have Timbira right where they want them, this is where we have the blind side of Tyson. So how integral is JT in that move?
1: I think JT is the one who makes it happen. Well, okay, so I think that this is a good example of a place that definitely was a JT and Steven collaborative move. This is a place they have just gotten rid of Brendan. um, And Brendan, who was also somebody who had at that time wanted to bring JT into his fold. Brendan had literally fallen in love with JT. They make the decision to stay with Tyson and coach. They get rid of Brendan. And now they see a window. Tyson has lost the immunity challenge. They recognize he's a really, really tough competitor. And this is their window to get him out. So this is when Steven and NJT have a powwow and say, you know, this is our opportunity to do it. And the two of them, they go right on ahead and they they bring Erin on board and and Sierra. They don't actually bring Sierra on board. They just lump their votes onto mm-hmm. her. Um, and they get rid of Tyson.
0: So now with the blind side of Tyson coach and Debbie are really caught flat footed and they really try to come back and be like, Oh, no, no, that was oh, no, that was totally a good idea. I, I totally would have been on board with that. Why didn't you tell us we want to get rid of Tyson? Uh, and they're really trying to kiss back up to Steven and JT and they're going to continue to feud with Sierra Now, I feel like that this was something we touched on in the evolution of strategy. What do you think about this decision to then get back with Coach and Debbie and vote out Sierra when we get to the final seven?
1: You know what? I think that this is probably a more personal decision than it is strategic. I get the vibe here that JT and Steven don't really care to be around Sierra. I get the vibe that she's causing a lot of drama at camp. Now, in theory, this is somebody that you would want to sit at the end with then, I get the vibe that she is just such a nuisance at camp. That is sort of the reason that they decide to switch back to the Debbie and Coach team, align with them again, which is good because Coach is is definitely a guy who values the loyalty. Um, So they get back on board with them and then get rid of Sierra. So at that time, I think that's probably doesn't matter either way in the sense that JT's jury management is so good. I think at that point he realizes he doesn't need Sierra to sit in the end next to
0: him to win. Okay, so we continue along with the systematic dismantling of Timbira, where Debbie is going to then go out after Sierra. They're very
1: smart about the Debbie vote in the sense that they they paint this picture to coach. You know, Debbie was coming after you all week, coach. You know, we really saved your neck here. And JT paints this awesome picture to Coach where Coach, when they come back to camp, is, you know, kissing his boots here, saying he's so thankful that these two men exist in this world.
0: So when we get down to the final five, this is really one of uh, the best Survivor episodes, Uh, maybe the best episode of Token Jeans and uh, one of uh, my favorite episodes. The final five in Token Jeans where uh, Coach is going to go to XL Island and eventually get voted out. And so JT pulls off some amazing stuff here on this coach vote out.
1: Yes, he does. Um, so this is the vote where Steven and Aaron and Taj, and I believe JT here, they really do want to get coach out. <laughs> so what happens here is after the um, reward challenge, which JT wins, um, they tell coach he has to he has to go be noble and it's time for you to take a turn at Exile Island coach. Let's go be noble. Let's go be noble. So they send Coach off to Exile Island and and Coach tells us he's going to take the monastic approach and he's not going to eat or sleep or breathe while he is on Exile Island for two days. And Erin actually, at this point, really shoots off at the mouth. Mm -hmm. Erin is just done. She is tired of Coach. She's tired of hearing him. So she really shoots off at the mouth um, as Coach is sort of leaving for exile. So this is something that really, really bothers JT. And the whole rest of this episode, we get a lot of confessionals from JT talking about how, you know, maybe we should, vote, we should vote Aaron out instead here, instead of Coach. Aaron has really been bothering me. Um, and him and Steven do sit down together and have this discussion. And JT pulls off a very, very clever move here. Um, JT does realize that him and, him and Steven, I believe, come around to the decision that it's Coach's time to go. And Taj and Aaron very much want Coach gone as well. Um, and JT makes the decision, even though he knows Coach is going home, he doesn't vote for him at Tribal Council. He writes down Aaron's name instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so Coach is walking out the door, just as JT and Steven had plans together. Uh, but JT really does get to walk away from that Tribal looking like Coach's hero, who, who defended him and went to the mat for him.
0: Yeah, and doesn't get any blood on his hands there at the final five. No
1: blood on his hand at all.
0: None at all. JT has not won individual immunity at this point in the game prior to this vote where coach is going to go out. But then he is going to go on a run winning the final three immunities in the game. Uh, So he's immune for the coach vote. He'll be immune for the vote where Taj goes home. Interesting Correct. decision from Steven and JT to blindside Taj, right? She's going to be really upset about this.
1: Yeah, Taj is extremely upset about this. Um, I think it's probably this is a good strategic move for both of them. I think that Taj is certainly somebody who's more well-liked than Aaron here, which is why I believe um, they get rid of her here. I do think it's a very a curious decision, though.
0: Why is he so curious? Because Taj is less likely to win immunity than Aaron?
1: I think Taj is less likely to win immunity. I also think sort of up until this point, JT has been playing this loyalty narrative. Um, You know, he didn't vote for coach in the last vote. He is somebody who is really like sticking to his story of like, Steven and Taj, I've been with them since the beginning and I'm going to stay with them till the end. Um, So it it is surprising to me here that they don't just ride out that alliance until the end and bring Taj to day 38 instead of, you know, voting her out at day 37.
0: Okay, so Taj goes out, we set up the final three. With JT, Steven and Aaron, JT is going to win immunity again. Now, Steven is having these conversations on the side with Aaron about potentially going to the final two with her. Aaron is going to blow this up to a degree by telling JT, JT gets very upset about this. Lindsay, do you believe that JT was actually upset or do you believe that he is taking a page out of the coach book and being a martyr to some degree with all of this, both here and in the final tribal council?
1: No, I think he was zero percent upset about this. Zero percent. I think he was really just putting it on here. And I think that JT is no fool. I think he knows Steven is a smart guy. And what a smart guy does in this situation is takes Aaron to the final two. I don't think JT is butthurt about this in any way, shape or form. But I think he's absolutely just putting it on.
0: Okay, so when we get to the final tribal council, JT and Steven, you know, they've been friends for the entire 39 days and everybody is feeling good. But I feel like that JT gets pretty rough with Stephen at this final tribal council.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually think that we should talk about JT to rival Todd Herzog for one of the greatest final tribal councils of all time. Wow, JT just gives, I really think so, he gives an amazing performance here. Absolutely amazing.
0: What were the things that really impressed you?
1: So I think that's one of them. I think him putting it on about Stephen, um, when he gets asked, when Stephen gets asked the question by Debbie of, you know, and she, you know, she really comes at his neck in this question. You know, Stephen, like, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth of who would you be sitting next to if you won? And Stephen eventually, you know, he hems and haws a bit and then comes out and says, you know, I, I would like to think I would have would have brought JT, but I, I think I would have brought Aaron. Um, and immediately JT hangs his head and just goes into this full pout mode. Well, I um, never. Steve-
0: <laughs> yes. Stephen has pearls. just
1: broken his little country heart here. Yes.
0: How could you, Stephen? I thought we were BFF, <laughs> XLXL forever.
1: I thought we were going to go into business together.
0: So he gets very upset and uh, really a, a very strong performance by uh, JT, who will go on to sweep uh, the final Tribal Council. And uh, JT walks away from Token Jeans, really loved by everybody in the season and really loved by the fan base as one of the great Survivor winners and certainly earns a place as a hero in the upcoming Heroes versus Villain season.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that something that is so interesting about JT here is just his ability to make everybody fall in love with him. And I think one of the highlights of Token Chains for me is, you know, he literally walks into the woods with Brandon on a reward challenge. And Brandon comes out saying this, if I take JT in the finals with me, I know he's going to beat me. I know it's crazy, but for me, winning in this game is getting to an outcome at the end of the game that is going to satisfy me. If JT wins it, that's like me winning this game. And I just think that that's that's like a really good summation of how awesome JT is in token chains. People are literally willing to fall on their sword for JT to win because he is so well-liked. It is very impressive.
0: Really amazing job and how many people he enrolled in the idea of him winning the game. Everybody there, for the most part, would have been perfectly okay with him ending up being the winner. Lindsay, have you ever done any sort of ranking of the winners? Do you feel like that you could speak to JT's place? I feel like that is we got further away from the evolution of strategy. I was probably too low on him in terms of my winner ranking for him. But have you ever thought about this?
1: That is really interesting. I've thought about it a lot. And I think you have JT significantly too low on your winner rankings. Yes, which I'm looking at right now. I have them right in front of me.
0: And so where would you have JT in the overall winner rankings of
2: Survivor?
1: So I think JT is at very least a top 10 for me. Um, It's interesting. I think JT plays a game that is actually pretty akin to what we see in a Tom Westman. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think he, he is somebody who plays the game with a partner in Steven. Sure. But I think JT just dominates this game from start to finish. He is in control to a sense that there is not a single point in this game where anybody considers taking JT out. Either they don't have the opportunity to do it or it's not on their brain. They want to align with him. They like him so much. He is such a physical threat. He is making every decision. He's always on the right side of the numbers. He's always on the right side of the vote in this game. And then his jury management is so good that he gets to the end and everybody is just throwing millions of dollars at him. They love him so much. So I think like seeing him under somebody like Brian Heideck and Richard Hatch. Um, and Natalie Anderson and players like that, who I I think that their their strategies were not as strong, their control of the game was not as strong, and their jury management was certainly not as strong as JT. So I think I would boost him up. Uh, I don't know. I think he could even be a top five for me.
0: All fair points. You know, the hard thing for me to always dissect was, you know, what was JT and what was Steven and you have other people who were doing things and more controlling things uh, without a partner in crime on it. So a little bit of I always said a, a, you know, Siamese twin, where does one end and where does the other begin?
1: I guess my question for you is, so when you made this winner rankings here, we had seen JT come back and play heroes versus villains. Right. But at that time, we had not seen Stephen Fishback come back and play Cambodia. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe in, in this winner's rankings, is it a lot of credit given to Stephen? Because we hadn't seen Stephen play as a solo act yet. And I wonder if now that you've seen Stephen play as a solo act does it change your opinion of JT's token jeans game at all?
0: You know, that's a very interesting question. And for me, I wonder if that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. That I wonder mm-hmm. if that when you take a look at these two people, if there is some sort of a mastermind that is between Steven and JT, in that JT is exactly the kind of person that Steven needs to be working with, just like on the know-it-all, sort of like a strong alpha male leader who's going to sort of calm Steven's insecurities and sort of like guide the ship in the right direction. And then likewise, JT needs some sort of a strategic sounding board to sort of like say, Hey, should we do this? Is this a good idea to be doing? And Steven could be that person to be saying, yes, I think this is a good idea. No, I think this is a bad idea. And I think that maybe that the two of them together are much better together than they are separate.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting analysis for sure. And I, I certainly think that JT did not have, not only did he not have someone like Steven in Heroes versus Villains, but he didn't have a partner at all in Heroes versus Villains.
0: Mm-hmm. Certainly he looked to Jeremy to be that kind of person. But the problem was that Jeremy had like five or six people that he was probably treating in the same way. Maybe not that many. But let's get into talking about the return of JT in heroes versus villains and i guess that this is the part where it's hard to separate because i know how this is going to go in heroes versus villains and the question that i have is this huge swing that jt takes in how he wants to play the game he was so beloved in token jeans but he comes back and i think he wants to wear the black hat a little bit
1: yeah this is this is a really interesting shift for him it, quite honestly i think jt went back in between his seasons And he got home from Token Jeans. He knew he was going to go back for his all-star season soon. And he sits down on his couch and he takes out the Micronesia DVDs and he he curls into his couch and he watches them. And I really do think that's like one of the biggest downfalls (laughs) of him before he goes on to Heroes vs. Villains.
0: Why? Why do you say Micronesia DVDs?
1: He just like had this in his mind of he had such a fear of the matriarchy. I mean, really, the, the second coming of the Black Widow Brigade was the scariest thing in the world to JT. And even in his pregame interviews, he's talking about how he's not happy to see Suri. She's the one that he fears the most. And and he's talking about from day one how horrified he is of poverty. Um, so it's like these these women who are thinking too much is really what JT is very very scared of entering Heroes versus Villains.
0: They were in his head from before the game. They were okay. <laughs> so Heroes versus Villains. Here comes JT. He's a member of this Heroes tribe. They go to the first tribal council and they go and knock out Sugar. That's an easy decision for JT.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everybody seems to be on board with that one. So. That doesn't seem to be a problem at all.
0: JT very eager to get rid of sugar right off the bat. And then we go into our next tribal council and we start to get rid of Stephanie, Stephanie LaGrosa and things seem to be coming apart at the seams for the heroes.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting watching JT play here because I think that we see him in the first two episodes. He's making a lot of alliances with a lot of different people who are not aligned with each other. Mm -hmm. So in episode one, we see him make a deal with Tom Westman. We see him make a deal with James, where they're shaking hands and saying they're going to stay together. And it's actually interesting. Um, You talk a lot in the Evolution of Strategy about how JT is really great at waiting to be kissed. And Mm -hmm. he is. And in, in Token Chains, he is People are always coming to him for alliances they're always coming to him for for making deals and and I think that puts him in a position of power and episode one when he makes an alliance with James that's really the first time that we see j t approach another player and say like, hey man, you want to play together in this game I don't want no flower power or anything <laughs> so that's that's the is an actual quote yeah. that's that's the first time that we see him approach somebody else and and I think you know I think that's probably uh That's not the strategy for JT here.
0: Who is the leader of the Heroes Tribe at this point in that game?
1: I think it's probably JT in the sense that I do think everybody is looking to JT for a decision. And I think probably what his best option here is to find an alliance he's comfortable in and stick with it and just chill out. Um, which is not what he does here. But I, I do think he is—he has some decision-making power. He sort of is considering himself the swing vote in this Stephanie Boot in the second episode of Heroes vs. Villains.
0: But that's interesting to me that you have all of these returning players and people who have accomplished a lot in their Survivor career. And here's JT where, yes, he's won a season, but he's still coming in here as a 25-year-old person who yeah. I think that probably it's hard to see him in a real leadership role, especially when you're Tom Westman, who is, you know, a grown adult and also, you know, somebody who is a firefighter and probably, you know, looked at as a leader in real life. So hard to mm-hmm. for everybody, I think, to sort of like turn over like uh, Jalapow, which really didn't have too many older men in that group, where yeah. it was easier to see, you know, JT as sort of like a captain of the football team type role in this spot that's sort of weird for people like, uh, you know, Colby and others to defer to JT's leadership in that spot.
1: Yeah. JT is definitely not the captain of sports on this season. That (laughs) is for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see him now as somebody coming back in his uh, early thirties, where we have seen traditionally people come back and have a lot of success as sort of like an alpha male in their thirties with a little bit of life experience under their belt.
1: Yeah. Like Boston Rob, JT's married now. So yeah, you know what I think it is, though, it, with this heroes tribe, I think all of the heroes have seen JT play before. Right. And he's on it. He's on it. Well, except probably Colby. I don't believe he watches Survivor. Mm-hmm. But but all of the other heroes. I mean, this these are men who are valuing like strong men of loyalty. This is Tom and Colby and Rupert and James. They want to align with someone like, J, uh, like JT, who in his previous season, he was very, very loyal to his alliance. He was a strong dude. He was a competitor. He was a provider. These are That's the type of person that the Toms and the Colbys and the Ruperts want to align with. JT's a true hero here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all JT has to do is sort of chill out. People want to align with you. They, they want to be on your side here. They like you. He should just bury his head in the sand here and sort of, you know, bide his time until the merge. Um, because I do think he's the type of person that, that Tom and Colby and those guys want to play with. But things are getting
0: particularly ugly, especially when Stephanie is leaving, that she's getting into it with James, who's an ally of JT. And so there's all these complications where Tom Westman and Colby are working with Stephanie and they're now on the outs. And JT wants to be in a different situation because he's aligned through his allies with somebody he doesn't want to be in business with. And that's Suri. So, can we talk about this really important and momentous vote where Suri goes home at the hands of JT? Absolutely.
1: So, this is JT's big swing here. Because remember, he had just voted with with the other alliance. He had just voted against Tom and Colby. And now he's swinging over to the other side and voting against Suri here.
0: How does this come about where Suri ends up going out in a three to two vote with eight people voting?
1: So, this is where the heroes lose immunity here. And then Candace and Suri start coming up with a plan that they want to split the vote on Tom and Colby. So at this point, Tom has the immunity idol. Everybody knows Tom has the idol. So Suri and Candace come up with this plan. We're going to split the vote. Um, JT is sort of wanting to get out Candace here. Um, and again, it's, it's if you're a woman and you're thinking too hard. JT doesn't like that this season. So he's talking about getting Candace out. He brings this idea to Amanda. Now, Amanda brings it back to the group. She talks to Sari and James and Rupert about it. And Sari starts saying, this is a silly idea. Why not? Why would we not just use the split vote? We have the numbers here to do it. We, We have six. Let's split three and three on Tom and Colby. We'll definitely get at least one of them out. Then we'll move on from there. And she actually says, she says in confessional, you know, Tom is a winner. Tom is a strong, tough player. Why would we not get him out here? And JT's JT's pulling a Sandra Diaz twine and he is lurking in the bushes here. So he hears Suri having this whole conversation that he's not a part of. Um, and this really is sort of, um, I think, reinforcing the fear that JT had of Suri at this point. So this is now Suri, um, they're going to go ahead with this vote where they're going to split the votes on Tom and Colby. And JT decides to go back to Tom and Colby and say, why don't we use this opportunity to take this? To take these the three of us and we will vote out Suri here. So he tells Tom to play his idol. JT moves his vote off of Colby and onto Suri and votes Suri out with one of her own moves, which is a really, really interesting thing. Yeah, so Suri goes home there. The three Tom votes are canceled out. There's only two votes on Colby now, and JT, Tom, and Colby have voted out Suri with only three votes.
0: It's a really amazing tribal council, and you articulated yeah. all of that particularly well so thank you very much for that lindsey and so the, we this is such a big moment not just in this season but also heading into game changers because as we will discuss uh, in great length uh the tribe that jt is going to start on is going to have Suri on it so coming away from that how much animosity do you feel like is there still between jt and Surree?
1: So it's interesting when Suri gets voted out immediately in her confessional, when she's voted out there, she says, you know, I shouldn't have trusted JT. JT did this to me. Clearly, I got on JT's bad side. So she knew right away that JT was the one who flipped on her. You know, I have I have a feeling that Suri is going to come in with a chip on her shoulder for sure. um, And as she probably should. Um, So I think Suri is smart enough that if she has to align with JT in the early game, she will do that. But at the same time. Sari is just going to lie and wait until she can get her vengeance on this guy. I feel very certain of that.
0: But as you mentioned that JT was targeting Sari from the pregame of that game. Uh, Here he is. It takes the first opportunity he has to go after Sari. Do you feel like that that is going to be mission number one for JT to get rid of Sari in this new game?
1: Yeah, I think probably yes. And I think it probably should be his move here because I do think she is going to come after him at one point or another. I don't think Sari feels good about playing with JT. Um, at the same time, I think that JT shouldn't make his his mission number one to just send a missile after Suri. I think that he needs to sort of to step back and, and let the cards fall as they may for the pre-merge because I don't think that JT is necessarily going to be a target in the pre-merge on his tribe. He's got enough bros to hang out with. He's got enough, I think, people that he can align with on this tribe. Um, So I think he shouldn't try to rock the boat too much by going after Suri too early.
0: Okay, we'll come back to what JT should do on his tribe in season 34 more once we get through Heroes versus Villains. But JT now... After voting with Tom and Colby, he makes another interesting decision at the next tribal council and sort of reverses course and now wants to get Tom out. So what is he thinking here?
1: Uh, he's clearly thinking that he should play the will wall pendulum strategy. <laughs> and that this, is a, <laughs> this is a great idea. Yeah, so he does. He flips back then to be on the side with James, Amanda and Rupert again, and he gets rid of Tom at the next vote. So basically, he goes back to his tribe after he votes out Suri and says, you know, this was just because I knew I knew Sari was a, a scary player. Everything I've done was for the team and everyone would have known that I made up my mind before tribal council. Sari's game is always banned that she stays loyal until after the merge and the way things are going. It was going to get rough for us. So he's trying to say, you know, I only voted out Sari for us. I did this for us. And then he does. He eventually flips back to the Amanda and Rupert side and gets rid of Tom at that vote. Um, so now JT has flipped back and forth several times between these alliances and he has literally betrayed everybody on the Heroes Tribe. He's made the correct vote at every tribal council, but everybody's pissed off at him. And And this is where we have um, Amanda is saying that JT aligns with everyone. I think he's made 20 alliances already. And we have um, Colby calling him wishy-washy and a flip-flopper. And we have Candace calling him slimy. So now suddenly everybody on the Heroes Tribe is just is just angry at JT here.
0: But he somehow is able to rally the troops and they're going to go on a bit of a run here. Now, James is going to get voted out when they have a double tribal council. There's nothing that they can do about that. Both tribes are going to go to tribal council. And also James is I don't know when does James end up getting hurt?
1: Um James gets hurt uh during the Tom boot. I believe it's in that episode. So around day 13, um, James gets that knee injury.
0: So he toughs it out for a little bit. Uh, I think he has a race against JT on the beach. They realize that James can't walk. So they end up voting him out. But this group of five that they have here of JT, Rupert, Colby, Candace, Amanda, JT feels like he finally has a group he can work with here out of this heroes tribe. We lost half the tribe, but now that we got down to this group, he likes this group.
1: Yeah, he does. And, and they seem to like him, too. Again, they don't actually seem to be targeting JT. They seem to be angry with him. It doesn't seem like they trust him, but no one's gunning for him. But he
0: wins them back. And they go he on does. a bit of a run here where they end up winning immunity three straight times. Uh, Boston, Rob and Coach and Courtney all go out. And so we are starting to head into the merge. But it seems like JT has picked up on something interesting going on at the other tribe where Randy had gone home. Tyson had gone home, Boston Rob had gone home, and now even JT's buddy coach had gone home. And so JT notices that maybe looks like that Black Widow brigade that he was so worried about is coming to be, Lindsay.
1: Yeah. You know, I do think it's here. JT forms such a strong unity with this last five. I think it's because a lot of the people on the other side he was hoping to play with are gone at this point. I do think he was hoping to get with coach. I think he was hoping to get back together with Tyson. Even Courtney, I think he was hoping to work with post-merge. But now they're all gone. So he's sort of like here. Okay, well, I got to rally my people together um, because that scary women's alliance is doing their thing over there.
0: JT does see one glimmer of hope over there among that alliance of all women, that Black Widow 2.0 alliance that's formed over there. And that is Russell Hans. So could you talk us through the inception of this idea to send a note and an idol to Russell Hans?
1: Yes. So the heroes as a tribe have started to notice the men are being picked off. And every time that they go to any sort of challenge, you have Rupert going, Oh, that woman's alliance
0: is looking really strong over there. (laughs) Now, Lindsay, let me just stop you for one second. Just in terms of this idea, I have said that this is JT's idea and I'm putting the blame on JT. Am I incorrect in that?
1: Yeah, no, I think you're correct. And I think that this was group think for them. I don't think that this was completely JT's brainchild. I think sort of the group of heroes is probably lying on the beach for weeks saying like, oh, look at look at the pattern here. And I think they're probably talking about this a lot. And then I think the villains tribe is playing into it for sure. Um, but that being said, I think that this this crazy idea to give away the idol is certainly... Um, JT's inception and then the hero's tribe just really, really supports him and backs him here.
0: Okay. So talk us through this plan that JT has.
1: Um, so JT does find an idol when they win a reward. Um, JT gets an idol clue and the heroes decide that they should go look for it together. Um, <laughs> JT then the next morning just goes and looks for it by himself and does find it. Um, but Amanda catches him in the act. So now Amanda and Candace both know that JT has this idol. All of the heroes know JT has this idol. So as this is simultaneously happening to their perceived women's alliance, JT comes up with this idea. And this is where JT says, if we win this next immunity challenge, I got a plan. And Colby goes, "Uh oh, JT's got a plan. And JT says, the next immunity challenge guarantees us the finals. I bet my life in this game on that we're going to merge. Russell knows he's going next. So Granted, I get the chance to talk to Russell at the next immunity challenge and we win. I give him the hidden immunity idol. He votes out Poverty. Bam. Done. So they think they can just hand Russell this idol um, and then Russell will be their sixth vote. Mm-hmm. And then he will come over to their side and they will have a 6-4 and they will vote Russell out at the sixth. And then they will just proceed to the finals here with
0: the five heroes. And this plan, at least in terms of the handoff, works to a T. Because we have and it's such a great episode because like there's storm clouds and like there's thunder going off in the background as this is all about to happen. Like the very the survivor gods are like ominous. This is bad. This is a terrible idea. And so we end up with I think that Russell Hance is like the anchor for the person that's going to go last. And I believe it's Colby who is like, like uh, hey, Russell, uh, just so you know, uh, you know, go, go talk to JT after the challenge. Right.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And he says, who's running the show over there? And and Russell says, it's poverty. Parvati. Poverty's running the show. And Kobe says, good, go to out. And then uh, go talk to JT. And,
0: and Russell Hance, really, uh, I have to give a lot of credit to him that he's like so pathetic and he's like, you know, putting his hands together like in prayer. I really need you guys to save me. I really <laughs> need your help. And so he really does play up the part well. And we get the handoff of the letter from Amanda's journal to Russell Hance.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. And he gives it to him in a little brow hug, which is cute. <laughs>
0: yeah. And so Lindsay, we talked about this a lot where this move ends up being talked about as the worst move in history at the finale of heroes versus villains. But can you defend the move? Cause I've had people come to me over the years and say, you know what, Rob, you're being results oriented. That move to send the idol to Russell Hance shows JT took a gamble, yes, but if it worked, that that would be one of the best moves of all time. So if it was going to be one of the best moves, if it worked, you can't just say that it was a terrible move because it didn't work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I understand that argument, but I don't agree with it. I, I think that this is just straight up a bad move. And I think if there was anybody with any sort of sense on the Heroes Tribe, they would not have done it. And I think probably the biggest reason for that is at the, at this point, Russell Hance is the blind spot in everybody's game. Nobody has seen Russell Hans play Survivor before this, so they have no idea what he's up to. Yes, they've seen Parvati have a woman's alliance, but they've never seen Russell play. So essentially, they are giving an idol to a complete stranger who they know nothing about. I, I, I think it's hard to make an argument for why that that is a good idea in any circumstance, especially when you could hold on to the idol yourself and, and, you know, have control over it when you get to the merge and figure out then how you as a hero's tribe are going to play that idol for your team when you get to the merge. Yeah, it's, it's just a bad
0: plan. So when we get to the merge, Russell Hance has sort of a really crazy story about what happened at that tribal council when he played JT's idol. Do you remember what Russell Hance tells them?
1: Yeah, yeah. Russell tells them <laughs> that him and Parvati stood up at exactly the same uh-huh. moment. And looked at each other, and then both played their <laughs> idols. Which I, he made Survivor history. That's the first time that that has happened yes, in Survivor history was at this point. Or
0: even Jeremy Collins and Wentworth both played an idol sure at the same was.
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there was Russell making history, um, and then he says they revote, and they all vote for Courtney, and and Courtney votes for Jerry, and then Courtney is. Is booted from the game.
0: So then we end up going to the real tribal council at the merge, where uh, this five-five vote is going to take place. So talk us through what JT's plan here is for this five-five split, where they think Russell Hans is now going to work with them.
1: Uh, yeah. So J- JT gets quite a boot episode
0: here. Yeah. This is
1: yeah. This is like a, a pretty. Um, they really slay him here. Um, But he feels very confident at this point in the edit that we're seeing. He feels very confident that Russell is on their side, um, that he is a good old boy and he shakes his hand and he he knows what Russell is. And he's a good old boy. So JT thinks that Russell will be voting for them at this point. Um, However, simultaneously, Sandra is running around and she has approached Rupert and said, you know, Russell's not on your side. Let me know. I want to get Russell out. He is with them. He is running the show over here. So Rupert takes that information back to the heroes. And even with that information, is still skeptical. JT says, no, no, you know, the smart women could not be telling the truth here. I, I trust in the good old boy. So the plan that they come up with is they are going to tell Russell that they're voting for Sandra, um, but they're all going to put their votes onto Jerry at this point. Um, so hoping that Russell's vote will go to Sandra. The five of them will vote for Jerry. The four villains will vote for one of the heroes. And then Sandra would be, or Jerry rather, would be eliminated here. That's JT's
0: plan. It's just a combination of this very presumptive move to just sort of assume you knew what was going on on the villains tribe. And then on top of that, to get the intel that's coming across the wire the chatter is there. You can't trust Russell Hand. And he just scoffs at that and says, ah, that, you know, I, like, uh, I'm not buying into any of that stuff. We're keeping with this plan. This is a foolproof plan. I felt like that when we rewatched this on the evolution strategy, he doesn't want to even let himself believe the possibility that this master stroke that he's built up might not be happening
1: so it's really interesting i went and i read all of his post-game interviews for heroes versus villains and and i know post-game interviews are not canon yes. but he does say that the edit is making him look a lot more confident that he is and he actually says that by the time that they are on the day of tribal council for for that vote that he knows that russell is not on his team um but what they don't know is that barbady now has two idols <laughs> so so really, this is this is such an assassination episode for JT, because they really every time JT is talking to the camera here, he's talking about how Russell is a good old boy who is for certain on their team and they have just saved Russell.
0: So are you saying that when JT votes, he knows that Russell's not with them? So that's what he says in his
1: postgame interviews. He says at that point, he believes that there has been some shenanigans and that Russell is definitely not on their team anymore. Um, and he makes it sound that he gets that idea not only from Sandra, um, but just from camp life and who is spending time together and how the villains are interacting in camp life. That He has some sense that Russell is, is not actually with them by the time that they're voting.
0: He does say when he votes, according to the survivor wiki, uh, sorry, Jerry, I was just starting to like you, but got to play it safe and get rid of someone who's not expecting it. See ya. So He's not really expressing, you know, oh, I don't think this might not work. Uh, we'll see. Uh, so it seems like um, he feels somewhat confident when he's voting.
1: Yes. Yes. Right. That's that's probably true.
0: All right. So JT goes out here. He's going to go to the jury. He's going to vote for Sandra to win the game with the heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when we get to the finale, he will be named as the recipient of the worst move in Survivor history. There was a vote. There was like five different things. Uh, coincidentally, Tyson's move from this season is also up there nominated for when he changed his vote, when the villains went to that tribal council and Russell played his idol on Parvati. But after Heroes versus Villains, JT goes into, uh, you mentioned Holden Caulfield, a J.D. Salinger-esque reclusion from Survivor. (laughs) He does. You really, you never hear or see from the guy again. Steven has, you know, contact with him here and there. But outside of that, JT becomes a ghost. He leaves, yeah. he walks away from Survivor. Do you feel like the perception of JT and the edit he got in this season leads to him saying, hey, you know what? Peace out, Survivor. Or do you feel like that he was just never into the scene to begin with and he just goes back to being JT and he was going to do that no matter what happened?
1: Um, The second one, I feel like JT is just is less part of the survivor community i think he probably went back to his cattle ranch and is just hanging out but i do think this was a humbling experience for him for sure so i think that it probably has more to do with him just you know not being as active in the in the community
0: there is a moment at that heroes versus villains finale where russell hance seemingly has had the letter that jt (laughs) sent him laminated Uh. and jt in Brad Culpepper fashion, tries to throw it in the fire, throw it in the fire. And he almost does it. Russell Hance like pulls it snatches it back out of the fire at that reunion show.
1: That would have been so sad if he did throw it in the fire because Russell Hance will later try to sell this letter on eBay for uh, (laughs) $1,500.
0: Does anybody buy it?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anyone buys it for $1,500 as per Reddit.
0: (laughs) Okay. Not to date at this point. Yeah, we'll we'll see that could how JT does on season 34 affect the value of that letter. I think so. And so uh, that letter has really become a piece of Survivor memorabilia. I don't know if it's worth fifteen hundred dollars, but it's been become iconic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I would pay up to two fifty for it. Two fifty. Yeah, I'd pay two fifty for this.
0: Hey, Russell, if you're listening.
1: (laughs) Uh, if my patron sister is willing to go in on it too, I think we can go
0: as high as three fifty. No Did you want to read a portion of it?
1: Yes. I would love to read a portion of it. So Russell does actually later post on Instagram, the full letter, um, which is not what they read on the television show, but I will read what the, uh, uh, the shorter version that Parvati reads out loud in the show. So the note reads, Russell read in complete privacy. This is a huge turning point in this game. This is not fake. I wouldn't waste your time or mine. Hopefully we are on the same page. Play the idol tonight and save yourself because clearly you're on the outside of an all-devouring female alliance. That's Parvati's input. Mm -hmm. All the girls should be writing your name down. So act like you know like you're going home. I can't believe he's writing all this stuff. You must stand up and play it right before Jeff starts reading the votes. I think you should write Parvati's name down and send her home. No matter what, when you play the idol, you're safe for the entire tribal council. We will most likely merge at 10 people, and then you will be safe with us. Our five plus you will remain strong till the girls are done with. Then we can work on getting ourselves in the final three. Big promises, JT. Hopefully, I can trust you, and you're not truly a villain. Let's do this together. See you soon. BFF forever. XOXO, JT.
0: (laughs) I forgot that he explains the rules of the idol to Russell Hans. He's like, "Okay, so you're gonna go to this place called Tribal Council. (laughs) Uh, At this place, uh, there's gonna be this urn. You're gonna do write Arvidy's name on the paper. There's a marker right there. Then put that paper in the urn. Uh, So I like that. You know, he hasn't been on a season of Survivor before. He doesn't know how this is all gonna go down.
1: And he actually double underlines that for JT too. You must stand up and play it right before Jeff starts reading the votes. Jeff is the one who hosts the show.
0: JT, I had no idea how the idol
2: works. I'm the king
0: (laughs) of idols. Yeah. All right. JT now, he's played these two seasons of Survivor. He has had a lot of time to, as his partner in crime, Steve Fishback, once said, marinate on his two games. I'm surprised to see him come back here for a season 34. How do you think, what's the adjustment that you think JT is going to make to come back and play again?
1: I think that at this point he has to reevaluate and say, Hey, where did I do better season 18 or season 20? And I think that what he has to do here is he has to come out with the mentality to play the game, how he did in in season 18. Okay. Okay. I think that has to be his play here.
0: And so what were some of the keys that he had besides partnering up with Steven in terms of his winning game in token jeans? Could you put your finger on anything he did specifically there?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the waiting to be kissed was a really big thing for him. I think JT was a good, good at being a yes man. I think anytime anyone approached him with an idea, he listened and he nodded along and he said yes to anything. And then he did it, whatever he wanted at the end of the day. Um, but he was always saying yes, and he was waiting for people to come to him. And I think in Heroes vs. Villains, he he was playing a little bit too aggressively, too early in the game. Um, but in Token Chains, he waited it out. He waited till post-merge before he started making these bigger moves and these double dealings. He did it too early in Heroes versus Villains.
0: Here he is in this tribe with Brad Culpepper, with Ozzy, with Ty, with Zeke, with Andrea, Sari, Debbie, Sarah, and the fan favorite, Sierra Dawn Thomas. Now, the conventional <laughs> wisdom of most of the people that I've spoken to on these interviews has been that JT will want to align immediately with Brad Culpepper and Ozzie. Lindsay, as a student of JT's game, do you think that this is where JT's head is going to be?
1: Yes, I second that notion.
0: And the thing that really, I think, might link Ozzie and JT together even more is that both of them have this history with sari and if ozzy is interested in knocking Suri out early and jt is too that could really get them on the same page early on
1: yeah absolutely i think so and i think that that sari just for everybody on this tribe i think sari has to be the first target i mean i love sari but i can't imagine her making the merge here she i think she's got to be an early boot here because there's a lot of people who uh who are out to get her here
0: yeah in terms of how they ended up dividing these tribes. I don't think anybody got, did dirtier than Suri being in this starting group with JT and Ozzy. And again, I hope that she has a rabbit in her hat, but that's a tough draw for her.
1: Yeah. Maybe she can partner up with Andrea and Zeke.
0: The best thing that you could hope for if you're a Suri fan is that this group is very stacked physically with Brad, with Ozzy, with JT and then uh, with some strong women as well, yeah. they might be able to go on an immunity run. That's very true, actually. That's yeah. very true. And if Suri can last a couple of votes to get to the point when they get to a group of six, maybe she can get away from some of these people that are targeting her, like the Bayon tribe was able to do in Survivor Cambodia. So uh, again, uh, more on that uh, for my Sari conversation. But so for JT... In terms of Zeke, do you think that that is somebody that he is going to be able to work with or somebody that that he might also be targeting?
1: So I think that um, JT and Zeke would be a fun pairing because I think they're both so charming. And I think Zeke, um, although he doesn't necessarily fall in that alpha man structure, I think that Zeke can probably get along with anybody. However, I wonder if the fact that um, JT will never have seen Zeke play. Zeke Uh is an unknown entity to Zeke, uh, to JT. And I wonder if that is going to set off some red flags for JT. um, (laughs) Sort of, you know, flashbacks to Russell Hans PTSD here.
0: Yeah. Where JT could look at him. Once upon a time, there was a guy that I didn't know from Russell Hansen, and I'm never going to trust another player that I didn't see before ever again. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that I did a JT impression in T E O S.
1: Yeah, you did. And Josh, <laughs> Josh, Josh, Josh Wiggler's JT Josh impression's is better, really good. I forgot that. Josh that. is really good. <laughs>
0: uh. Uh, It's very similar to my Cindy Hall impression, I think. Uh, So, so, but do you think that could JT possibly recognize Zeke and say, hey, that Zeke is uh, somebody that might be a second coming of a fishback for JT?
1: I think so. And I think Zeke is certainly the closest thing to a fishback here. However, I think that Zeke and Andrea are probably going to be a natural alliance here. I think they're they're actually real life friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't imagine JT wanting to work with Andrea. I think Andrea is too much of a smart girl. And I think that will be something that JT fears the same way he fears Sari here. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think it could go either way with Zeke.
0: Yeah, we have no idea how much JT has watched Survivor over the years. I mean, that to me is such a wild card for me. Uh, how much has he watched? I mean, d- did uh, Steven give him scouting reports on people going into this <laughs> thing? Who knows? I feel like that JT is probably not going to love Andrea. I feel like that Andrea might want to work with JT. I could see JT not wanting to deal with Andrea.
1: Yes, I think he's more well-suited to work with a Sarah Lucina, even a Debbie. I think he'll probably like get along with fine, but I think he'll be scared of Andrea.
0: What about a Sierra Dawn Thomas? Could she be like a uh, Candace Cody or an Amanda, people that he worked well with in Heroes vs. Villains?
1: Yeah, I think that like Candace and Amanda were just people who said yes to anything that JT suggested. So sure, I'll say that, yeah, <laughs> Sierra Dawn Thomas could be his
0: friend here. What about JT with debbie do you think that as we've compared a debbie to a female coach many times in survivor <laughs> co-wrong jt <laughs> likes coach do you
2: uh, think uh,
0: is that somebody that jt could work well with
1: oh no i don't think it's going to go particularly well i think jt will be irritated by debbie while i think jt was charmed by coach um but i, I do think that that Debbie will sort of get under his skin. I think she's probably more comparable to like a Sandy here Mm. as somebody that JT has already played with. I'm pissed.
0: (laughs) Mm. Uh, What about Ty? Is Ty a potential ally for JT?
1: I don't think that Ty is the natural ally here for JT. I think Ty probably goes more in the direction of a Zeke, an Andrea, a Saree. But that being said, I mean, we ha- actually have seen Ty have a really great relationship with Beast Mode Cowboy. So, uh, you know, JT and Beast Mode Cowboy certainly have a lot in common. So, yeah, maybe that they will have a a, a charming little bromance. Who knows?
0: Ty is so likable. And I think that he's also going to be a little bit starstruck by being around the former players. And I think that Ty could definitely be like, uh, oh, my God, JT. Like, I think he could be very impressed with JT.
1: True. I don't necessarily think
0: JT will be impressed with Ty, though. No, but I think that he might think he's harmless. Yeah, that's true. What about over on the other tribe? Now, JT voted for Sandra to win the game. Do you think that they would be looking to potentially work together in this game where they weren't able to work together in Heroes versus Villains?
1: I don't. I think that JT is also probably a little scared of Sandra here. And I can't imagine Sandra blessed. I can't imagine her making it to the merge here. I think that she has to be her and Tony. I mean, they just have to be such huge targets. Who is going to let them get to the merge? Um, but in the off chance that she did, I don't think that JT wants to work with her. I, I think that JT now has seen her for the, the strategic player that she is and probably
0: will have like a little bit of a fear of her as well. So if JT is going to be targeting so many people, that feels like to me that he's playing again more of the heroes versus villains mold.
1: I know. I think that what would benefit him here if a lot of these guys made it to the merge, because, again, I think he could sort of have like a natural allegiance with Beast Mode Cowboy. I do think him and Malcolm could get along really well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Troy Zan is probably the player here who is most similar to Coach. so, so my guess here is that JT is going to fall in line with a lot of the men and they will sort of be his most natural alliance members
0: here. Lindsay, do you have a prediction for JT here in season 34? Merge boot. Merge boot again. Yep.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say merge boot.
0: I feel like a lot of people are higher on JT for this season. I feel like that if we were going to be looking at odds, I feel like that he is one of the top picks on the board. But that's surprising that our JT expert is not so high on him.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I want him to do really well for sure, but I think he could be a merge boot again here. I think if he calms down, I think he can make it through to the merge. Um, but then I think he probably is, he's still a physical threat is my guess. He's going to be a strong physical player. Um, and then I think he is, he's a winner in the game. I don't necessarily think a lot of survivors want to see a winner win again. Um, and he's also sort of like, one of the most, probably one of the most top four legendary players here. Um, so I think while he won't be an immediate target like a Tony or a Sari, I think he could be a target later in the game for
0: some of these players. Now, Lindsay, if you could send a letter to JT <laughs> that he would get a Ponderosa for the start uh, of this game, what advice to JT would you have in that letter?
1: Uh, go fishing in the woods with people and just Hang out, charm people again, make them like you. Don't talk strategy too, too early. Let people come to you because they will. That's what I would say.
0: Go fishing in the woods is a tall order,
2: I think. (laughs) 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 Valid.
0: But I hear what you're saying. Um, I think that JT is probably set up pretty well here. I hear what you're saying about him being a target because he's a former winner, but I think that the best thing he has on his side is that he played so long ago. And I think there's so many True. people here that may not be familiar with how threatening he actually is and how good he is at the game. I mean, Beast Mode Cowboy has no idea who he is. <laughs> and even people like uh Sierra Easton, does she really know JT particularly well? Haley Ford has I no idea who he does.
1: is. She does. Yeah. Easton definitely watches Survivor. Well, you, you know
0: what? That In fairness to Sierra Easton that her mom played in season 19. So, uh, she did. you know, I think people tend to, you know, that they're very involved with people that play in that, like the season before or season after it's like high school. It's like, you know, the people that like graduated a year before and a year after. You. <laughs> so I, think I didn't that,
1: realize.
0: Yeah. She knows, <laughs> she probably knows JT from the Samoa era of Survivor. So, I think that he might be able to be a little more under the radar than he was uh, the last time he played.
1: Yeah, you know, that's that's actually a pretty good point. I wonder, though, if him being so far removed from the game is actually detrimental in that when he played in season 20, and I mean, him and Sandra here and Sari are the mo- the furthest removed from the game. And I wonder if when he played, the game just looked very different as opposed to now this, this structure of voting blocks that we function in. Um, JT really has... Uh, has only seen uh, scorn from an idol play. He has never experienced a tribe swap. So I just wonder how rusty JT will be here or how rooted in, in the season 20 type of gameplay and will he be able to keep up Uh, with the the much faster pace of what I'm sure season 34 will be.
0: Well, I hear what you're saying, but I think you might be underselling him a bit. Certainly that the gameplay in season 19 was probably a much slower pace. But I mean, he is firing on all cylinders right out of the gate and probably playing overly aggressive in season 20, which is one of the most strategic seasons. And that being said, also, I'm sure he watched Steven's season and saw what went on and at least watched it through until Steven got voted off. So I think that he's probably going to be pretty well versed in the latest in survivor strategy. Do you have a winner pick here? I haven't made one yet, I think that to this point, I think I've just said uh, I can never bet against Tony ever again. So I'm stuck (laughs) with Tony, but I think that I might end up with another winner pick, uh, maybe a backup winner pick by the time we get to the start of the season. Fair, very fair. Yes. I will never count him out ever again until I see uh, his torch snuffed. I can't ever go against Tony. All right. Uh, Lindsay, this was such a fantastic walkthrough jt's game and i really appreciate all of your hard work going through all this and i'm sure the listeners did too that you did a job well done
1: hey it's my pleasure thanks so much
0: yeah now i know jt is not active on social media but do you have a jt hashtag for this conversation Ooh. what about XOXOJT?
1: jt (laughs) i like that
0: okay all right let's add that for our jt hashtag and if you're up for it, i would love to share with the listeners the resume you made for jt For your game changers application, because that was really fantastic too.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, we'll post it on the show page for this. Lindsay, are you on social media?
1: I am. I'm on Twitter. If you want to find me, I'm at Lindsay Resko. That's L I N D S E Y H R E S K O.
0: Great job, Lindsay. Thank you again, and good luck to your boy, JT.
1: Thank you so much. Hopefully, he does well.
0: All right, everybody, there you have it. Lindsay Resko talking about JT. And I want to add also, Happy birthday to Lindsay Resco. And we've had amazing timing with the experts that have been doing these game changer previews. A lot of birthdays uh, within like a couple days of them all going up. Uh, Puya it was actually his birthday on Wednesday. I believe also Shannon Gates is celebrating a birthday this week. So a lot of birthdays from the game changer. Experts. So before we get to Tom Tamillo and Sierra Dawn Thomas, I also want to mention if you'd like to go further down the JT rabbit hole, go deeper into token chains, deeper into heroes versus villains. The evolution of strategy is always there. Josh Wigler and I are actually going to re-listen to our Heroes versus Villains. That's a 17-hour chapter of the evolution of strategy. We're going to re-listen to it and talk about it on the podcast uh, right before the season starts. So if you want to join us on that journey, you could listen to our TEOS chapter 20. It's only $3.99. It's really, that's a lot of audio book slash podcast for not that much money. If you want to check that out, it's a fun listen. Of course, all of the Evolution of Strategy is available at evolutionofstrategy.com or you can click on the banners. And the sidebar of Rob is a website.com. All right. So now let's switch gears to Sierra Dawn Thomas. And we are going to hear from a man, Tom Tamillo, who reached out to us back in December, said, I need to be the Sierra Dawn Thomas expert. I know everything about Sierra Dawn Thomas. I could tell you why she's a game changer, why she's gonna do great. And I'll say he makes a compelling case about Sierra Don Thomas and what she may be capable of. So here is your favorite fan-favorite Sierra Dawn Thomas preview with Tom Tamillo. All right, everybody. Today, we are going to be also hearing about somebody that people have been clamoring for. When are you going to get to the Game Changer interview about this person that we're here to talk about today? And that is Sierra Dawn Thomas, fan-favorite Sierra Dawn Thomas, and here with me to talk about the campaign of SDT coming back here for her second time is possibly the number 1 Sierra Don Thomas supporter in all of the world. Tom Tamillo,
2: Tom, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for having me on. And why are you using the word possibly here? I am the number 1 Sierra Don Thomas fan. Okay, well let's get
0: into that because when I announced, "Hey, we're looking for all of these different applicants, people that are really big supporters of these characters that can really speak to their game." You were adamant. You launched a campaign. You were the guy to talk about Sierra Dawn Thomas. So first off, tell us a little bit about you and then why Sierra Dawn Thomas connected with you, Well, Tom.
2: I think we're both 6'1", so we both are very tall, strong individuals, and we are very sociable. We can manage all of the different personalities. I mean, I have friends that a wide range of personalities, ethnicities, backgrounds, and no matter how much people will bother me, I still can put a smile on my face and wake up the next day and still act like I'm their best friend. Even though I may not be, and I'm stabbing them in the back, I am still you know, able to present that. And I think that Sierra did that very, very well throughout her season. And I know a lot of people are questioning why is Sierra Don Thomas, even on uh, Survivor Game Changers, but the real question should be, why is the other cast member from Worlds Apart on Survivor Game Changers?
0: Be- <laughs> okay, well, we can get into that when we go through uh, the season. Right, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, don't, don't come out too strong uh, with too hot a take. But I like that you're on the offense to, from the get-go, Well, Tom. this
2: means a lot to me. So, Sierra, put this on the record right here. Sierra Don Thomas is the winner of Survivor Game Changers.
0: <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, we'll see uh, where you get that confidence from. So I just want to go back to what you were saying, where you say you really admire her for her perseverance while dealing with difficult personalities. Do I have yes, that right? 100%. Yes. And certainly she did have her hands full with difficult personalities
2: in Survivor Worlds I Apart. Think that's quite the understatement.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here she is. And so as a, you know, Sierra super fan and dare I say, apologist, why do you feel like that she has taken so much flack from fans for being brought back? I think
2: season? it's because she was under edited in her season. And I, I know a lot of people will probably just say a lot, you know, there have been plenty of cast members that have been under edited. Why is she coming back? But clearly the producers saw something in her then there definitely are strengths there. Now, it's Worlds Apart, the second half of Worlds Apart is filled with lots of angst and disgusting scenes and interactions between the cast members, which Sierra was never involved with. So that's why she was always underedited because she didn't play a part in that disgusting, ugly relationships that were going on towards the end of the season. So a lot of people forget how crucial she was to Mike Holloway's game in the beginning. Um, of the season, and how without her being there and being aligned with Mike and deciding to take you know on Dan Dan Foley's personality, uh, Mike mm-hmm. wouldn't have ended up winning the game. He wouldn't have made it and had the numbers at the merge and been able to put himself in a position where he could have actually you know won the game.
0: It's interesting to me just how much outrage there is from certain corners of the fan base for Sierra Don Thomas being brought back because of all the people there. She does make it to day 37 in Survivor Worlds Apart. Typically when we get this kind of a backlash, it's from somebody that gets brought back from like pre-merge or somebody that was only on a couple of shows. But here she was 14 episodes into Survivor
2: Worlds and Apart. I think it's a great point. I mean, day 37, so... Even though she she is fifth in the season, you know, day thirty seven is not a there's. You can't understate the amount of exhaustion and the lack of food that she had to endure all those days, and she still still was able to manage Dan Foley's personality for thirty seven days. I mean, really, I mean that is that's an accomplishment. It's in commendable. Itself. It really is. It's I mean, a bit, Especially from the scenes from day one when he's coming out onto the beach and they're building the shelter and he's ripping into her about how he's a big fat guy and he's not going to fit in the shelter. And then she deals with them all the way through because that's how she, you know, she needed those targets to be ahead of her. She wanted to take people to the end that would be goats that she could win against. And she recognized that early on and, you know, kept on persevering and dealt with those personalities. So to deal with all of that for that long, I think she's really being, uh, she's really not getting enough credit.
0: Now, that being said, that I think that the difference between her and maybe somebody like uh, Kelly Wentworth, who a lot of people were saying the second time. Now, look, she got voted in by the fans. So there certainly were people in her corner. But her critics would say, why are we bringing her back? Isn't that a stretch? But to the point of Kelly Wentworth, it was so much that maybe we only scratched the surface. We barely got to know her in Survivor San Juan del Sur. Whereas Sierra Don Thomas had 14 episodes to make a strong impression with the fans. And outside of you, I don't feel like that there is a huge fan base of support well, for
2: her. There's tons of personalities in Worlds Apart. So to have a reserved, quiet, personable, young, attractive woman isn't always going to make the greatest television. And we saw in Worlds Apart that, that there were such crazy storylines that occurred in that season that she just was flying under the radar. We've seen her type of gameplay win many times. I mean, Natalie White really was the staple for that young woman getting to the end with unlikable castmates. And also what about you know Michelle Fitzgerald last year? Mm-hmm. Also a young woman, you know, getting to the end uh, with some people that weren't liked well by the jury. And she I think Sierra plays that game very well. And she you know, it's a not an attractive, it's not a flashy game That is played, but it's one that does win. So I think that she'll turn the fans this this season. I'm very confident on that. Okay, Tom, so let's go back and take
0: a look at what you discovered about Sierra when you went back and watched Survivor Worlds Apart again. Now she's gonna start off this game in the blue-collar tribe. Uh, they do pretty well in the beginning of the season. They avoid Tribal Council for at least the first three votes. They end up going to Tribal Council in the fourth episode, which I think is actually a double episode. But the first hour of that double episode, episodes four and five, were a double that night. So what did you see from her time on the blue-collar tribe that maybe we might not be remembering well, right now?
2: You know, you talked of in the evolution of strategy that you couldn't describe Sierra with three different words Besides using the word tall. Do you, mm. do you remember that? I was going to say tall. I was
0: just going to guess uh, tall. Did you you can't, yeah, without
2: using that. And you, even though rewatching it, you weren't able to come up with three words. And I think that it's not a fair assessment of her game. She's very, very sociable. I mean, she has an amazing social game. And she was able to build the bonds with her allies and with the targets. And she was able to create uh, targets on other people's backs. Um, you know, on day two, when they were building the shelter, I mentioned Dan Foley was lecturing Sierra and Lindsay. And there's scenes where Sierra is just talking to Lindsay about, you know, how she can't handle uh, Dan's attitude and like the way that he presents himself. Was it when Dan Foley said this? Just close your mouth, open your ears and just watch what happens. <laughs> was that to Sierra? No, that was to Shirin, wasn't it? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember that. It's It's better off that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> too many Dan moments, <laughs> too many Dan moments, uh for sure, but I mean in the even on the on the first day, right, so Mike and Dan Foley are have to decide between honest and deceive do, do you yeah do you remember this for anyone that doesn't remember uh, yes in, the neutral box, yes, there was a, the, the neutral box there were two people from each tribe that had to pick between a small bag of beans and a hidden immunity idol clue or a larger bag of beans now Dan Foley says you know his personal preference is. Honesty because to throw deceit this early in the game is stupid. So they, he wanted to focus on building camaraderie with his tribe. And he, he convinces Mike to take the larger bag of beans and forego the hidden, hidden immunity idol clue. Now, Sierra was looking them up and down as he's telling the tribe what is going on. And we get a confessional from her immediately saying that I don't believe that this is a full bag of beans. I think they chose the other one. That was not a big bag. That was, well, what was the other one? Four beans? If you're giving us a, a reason, <laughs> something like that, yeah, if you're giving us a reason to think you are lying and not being honest, then you have to live with that. And Sierra conspires with Lindsay that day that their sketch and that the bag should have been three times the size of it. Now, we know they chose the, the bigger bag and was being honest, but I think it just goes to show that Sierra isn't staying uh, comfortable immediately in the game. And she's questioning everyone's decisions and their reactions and the way that they're presenting themselves. Uh, and I think that it really goes to show throughout her entire game, she's never staying comfortable. She's always questioning uh, the moves that she can make, whether or not she decides to make them. And I know you were calling her shades of Monica Culpepper, but while she may not decide to flip or flop, she does question her position in the game and try to you know, better herself.
0: Yet she does end up on the wrong side of the numbers by the time that the blue collar tribe ends up going to tribal council. She does seem to have some sort of a blood oath with Lindsay that they're never going to turn on each other. They're trying to get something going to get Rodney voted out. So what went wrong for her in those first 10 or so days where she ends up on the wrong side of that vote? Let's just
2: be clear, though, even though she's on the wrong side of that vote and she does lose her ally, she was never in a position to be voted out that night. Kelly, uh, Kelly comes with a confessional as they're going to tribal and says it's either going to be Rodney tonight or it's going to be Lindsay. Sierra was never even considered. And it might say, you know, they only threw two votes at her in case an idol was played, but she was never in a position to be voted out. Uh, she created those bonds even that early on in the game where people didn't want her to leave. She, she proved that she was strong enough and that, She had a relationship with most of the people in the tribe and they wanted to keep her around. Okay. So we get to the world's apart swap.
0: And this is kind of a big moment in the season for Sierra, because if I recall, between, you know, that first hour of that double episode and that second hour of the double episode, she's pissed off. She hates Mike. She hates Dan. She hates Rodney. I can't stand these guys. She ends up in the swap, I believe. She her heart sinks when she ends up getting that blue buff and she's stuck with these three guys that she hates. And then there's this moment. Where those three guys all walk off and leave her alone with Joaquin, Tyler, and Joe. And I think people were ready to say, Yes, Queen, get it. Vote those guys off that
2: you hate. But that's not what happened. It, It wasn't what happened. And, you know, she was able to be so endearing to those new tribe members that they wanted to bring her in. They considered her a new ally. But ultimately, she decided to stick with the blue collar because she recognized that Dan Foley would be more of a target that she could beat in the end, that Mike Holloway was such a hothead that he would end up destroying the relationships that he had created, which he ends up doing very much in the second half of Worlds Apart. And Rodney, who is just blows up, can blow up at any moment, as opposed to Joaquin, who is a very calm-mannered, clean, white-collar guy, Tyler, who's a strong competitor uh, mild mannered as well. I mean, it just makes sense for her to stick with the blue collar, who just seemed to be a group of personalities that would create so much target, such a target on her, where she could really push herself to the end of the game and uh, put in her put herself in a position to win.
0: Now, looking back at how it ultimately played out, do you feel like that this was a flawed strategy or this was the correct strategy, and things just didn't go her way that were
2: beyond her? I think control? it was the correct strategy. And things just didn't play out the way that, you know, beyond her control. I mean, who would have thought that Mike was going to win as many competitions as he did at the end to solidify himself. And I mean, they had to every single person had said, if Mike had lost any of those challenges, he would have gone home 150,000% quoting Will Sims. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. she was in a position to make herself to the, to go to the end with Dan Foley, with Will Sims, um, you know, Rodney as well, she would have beaten any of those guys. And we saw that Carolyn even didn't wasn't able to swing enough votes at the end. So I think that Sierra, having had so many friends on the jury, she would have had uh, made it to the end with uh, a strong case to be made for uh, to be the sole survivor.
0: Now, is she part of this group that throws the challenge there to vote out? Uh, Yes. Yes, she is. Okay. All right, so eventually we're going to get to the merge here, and I think that this is actually a pretty big deal for her, but maybe you can uh, correct me on this. How big of a factor was Kelly for her? I know that Mike says that was his boo, and then he was going to go to the end with Kelly, who ends up—and if people don't recall, that's the woman who got a hit on the head and then ends up getting idled out of the game at the merge— but was Kelly possibly Sierra's number one?
2: Was she thinking that Kelly was going to stay in the game and she was going to be able to reunite there's with her? There's no evidence that Kelly and Sierra have a number one relationship. The entire world's apart. Kelly and Mike talk about them being you know number one with each other. And there's nothing nothing to that, that nature. I mean, did Sierra ever have a number one ally? Or, I mean, does it become Mama C at some point? I don't point? think it becomes Mama C. I think... That it became Dan Foley. It, I know, surprisingly enough, once she loses Lindsay, her her arc is about how she becomes really strong with uh, Dan Foley, and there's lots of shades throughout the season of their relationship that develops. Um, you know, you'll see during the swap, Dan came to Mike and was really worried about losing Sierra and made sure you know that he was working towards building a stronger bond with her and bringing her back in. And I know this is not canon, but in the postgame interviews with Sierra and Rodney, both of them confirmed that Dan came to them and told them about what his advantage was. And I think that just goes to show how strong of a bond she was able to create. She put away all of the differences that they had early on in the season and built such a strong bond with him that he was confiding in her about his advantage, which he wasn't doing to the other players in the game.
0: So post-merge, we end up with this seven-person majority, but again, Jen Brown plays an idol, and they knock Kelly out of the game. But she's part of this blue-collar group, which has now pulled in Will Sims and Tyler and Mama C, and then there is this systematic dismantling of no-collar and Shireen. Haley, Joe, Jen, and Shireen all go out back-to-back, but it seems like that there is a pulling at Sierra to try to get her to flip. She seems to entertain this quite a bit, but she never ends up pulling the trigger on that. Do you think at any point in the game,
2: she should have flipped and worked with the women and Joe on No Color? No, because the numbers weren't in her favor. I mean, she has a confessional and does say that she wants to consider working with the girls because she would love to have girls at the end, but she would only do so if she was able to get the numbers and she wasn't able to pull enough of the people over uh, to make the numbers work. So it wasn't to her advantage to do so. So why would she go and betray her allies to only end up being a part of an alliance that was losing? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to do that.
0: Now, going back to Monica Culpepper, I guess, did I refer to her as like a Monica Culpepper figure in the evolution strategy? Yes, you did. Well, similarly, I guess uh, where I might have gotten that connection from was that Monica in Blood versus Water, she certainly flirted with the other side and entertained their ideas and made them feel like she was going to potentially go with them and didn't which created a lot of hard feelings towards Monica and why people don't want to vote for her at the end, maybe among other reasons. But for Sierra, do you feel like that the people that she jilted to not vote with her, do you think that they were left feeling animosity towards her? Not at her? all,
2: because the animosity was always towards those other uh, bigger characters like Dan Foley and Rodney and Will Sims and even Mike Holloway to a certain extent who uh, was destroying his you know, relationships with so many other people you look at who Monica was sitting with next to at the end. I mean, Tyson had created all those bonds and so many people had liked him, even though they you know, were being kicked out because of him. They still had a, a certain res- level of respect for him. So I wouldn't even say that Monica lost the votes because she entertained the ideas and then didn't go with them. That would just mean that they were they had sour grapes, right? But if they had sour grapes, then why did they give Tyson their vote at the end after he had led the charge in getting them voted out. So I think that I can see why you're saying because she entertained the ideas and didn't follow through, but I don't think that there's really any substance to their gameplay. Okay. So
0: now we're at the point where it seems obvious that there are at the center of this Alliance that she's in this six person group with Dan and Rodney and Tyler and will and mama C and herself. They're all gunning for Mike, but it seems like that the four guys are tighter Do I have that right or is that just how the show
2: presents four guys? I mean, if the four guys were tighter, then why did Tyler and Dan Foley go out before Sierra?
0: I mean, at that point where Tyler ends up going out, Mama C and Sierra vote with Mike Holloway to take him out of the game, right? That's
2: true. Yeah, for sure. But why would why would you say that they're still tighter then? If anything Well, just
0: take me through it from Sierra's perspective, okay? So we get to this vote where uh, Mike is going to play his idol, and then uh, they end up canceling the votes on Mike that Tyler, Dan, Rodney, and Will are going to put the votes on Mike even though he's still going to play the idol. <laughs> he's like, t- t- like I'm going to play this idol. And uh, they, they still put the votes on him. They wanted to make sure he wasn't bluffing. And then <laughs> Mike... And Carolyn and Sierra vote for Tyler. So why would Sierra go away from those guys that she was working with to vote against Tyler? And Well,
2: who spot? else was she going to vote for? I mean, she wasn't going to vote for herself, right?
0: She could vote for Mike like everybody else And then was. who was
2: going to be voted out, though? I mean, maybe she was trying to build some trust with Mike or Carolyn because she recognized at that point that Mike was winning the challenges. And yeah. she did say there is a confessional where she comes out and says, listen, Mike is making a lot of points. Like I should work with him and try and get some of these people out because, you know, he can help me put myself in a better position, but he's winning too many challenges and he, I don't want to sit next to him at the end. So, Yeah, and I guess what I don't remember, Tom,
0: is were the group, like did Rodney and Dan and perhaps Will have a conversation and say like, hey, what are we doing if Mike, plays his idol tonight what are we doing if he really does play his idol okay let's have mama c and sierra put two votes on tyler just in case and it just so happened that mike i don't remember exactly
2: how those three votes ended up going that's pretty spot on uh carol you know they had the conversation and carolyn says we should put the the votes on tyler and tyler was obviously upset about that and tried to scramble and pivot them away towards dan but at that point sierra wasn't didn't want to give that up you know, didn't want to vote okay. against Dan. So there
0: is this now flirtation to potentially go with Mike Holloway for Sierra and Mama C. He's working on them. Do you feel like that she should have
2: potentially entertained that? Idea? No, I don't. Because I think that Sierra's best way to win to win in the end was to sit next to a combination of Dan Rodney and Will. Um, and I don't think that going to the end with Mike was would be in her best interest at all. I mean, if he was taking her to the end, sure, Sierra would have sat next to him. But him having won so many challenges and climbed such an uphill battle to get to that end, uh, he, he would have he would have taken the votes away from, away, away from her. Okay, so
0: by the vote that Dan Foley ends up going home, Sierra is back voting with Will and Rodney and Dan Foley. And Dan Foley, he uses his vote. He just says, you know what? Why not? I'm going to put another vote on Carolyn. Uh, all those votes get canceled out. And Dan Foley goes home, leaving Mama C in the game with Mike heading into the final yes, five.
2: And, you know, Carolyn was not happy about the fact that she was betrayed and that they were targeting her. Um, but mm-hmm. Sierra was still able to, to to reel her back in and make her feel comfortable. So I think that, you know, it's important to note that uh, even though, you know, Sierra did vote against Carolyn, she was still able to, you know, quote unquote, mend the fences for that little bit. okay. so
0: eventually at the final five, Mike Holloway is going to win immunity once again. It's important for Mike to get rid of Sierra at this point. I think he has the option. Do I want to get rid of Sierra or potentially Mama C? And he wants to vote out Sierra at final five. Yeah,
2: it's surprising. It's surprising for sure. But I think that, you know, Mike saw that Sierra was a threat socially and that she had such Mm -hmm. strong bonds with so many people. And Carolyn didn't. Um, You know, Carolyn had a lot of fights with, you know, a handful of people. She was very outspoken. And while she was, quote unquote, Mama C, Sierra never had those outspoken fights with people. She was always laying low, no matter how many times she was being berated by uh, the people, you know, her castmates, her you know, uh, her fellow players. Carolyn didn't always take that. She, you know, lashed out and she let it be known. And I think that, you know, he recognized that Carolyn would be someone better to sit next to in the end. And I think he made the right decision.
0: If I recall correctly, I think a big part of his decision was that he felt like that she was the only person who could give him a run for his money in the challenges, that he was very concerned about her performance beating him out. For yeah, but I, mean,
2: it, I don't know if you can really focus in on that, because while Sierra was second in command at every immunity challenge, Carolyn won a couple endurance comps and had shown that she was capable of winning as well. So I don't think you can really focus on that aspect of the game and consider that a part of why he chose Sierra over Carolyn. Okay, so now let's just
0: talk hypothetical. So let's say Mike Holloway doesn't win that immunity at the Final Five. So Mike ends up getting voted out in fifth place, probably uh, you know, right there with Joe as like this uh, fan favorite, he should have won type guy. And people are uh, probably uh, really go on to love Mike Holloway and then maybe he's like a guaranteed all-star. But then, so now we go to the final four. Do we assume Carolyn gets voted out at the final four pending? She doesn't win immunity? Definitely. 100%. Okay. All right. (laughs) 155,000%. All right. And then we get to the final three now. Rodney, Dan Foley, and
2: Sierra Dawn Thomas. How does that break Sierra steals all the votes. She steals them away because no one was voting for Dan Foley. No one. Yes. What about Rodney? Rodney? You know, maybe he would have pulled Will's vote. He would have pulled Will's vote. But I don't think that people respected his game on the island. And I think that's the difference. People watching uh, the show as it was airing were more aware of the happenings of Rodney. But while he was on the island, no one was considering him to be a threat at all. Or even acknowledging or even noticing all of the moves that he was making behind the scenes. Because it wasn't as visible. So,
0: Sierra Don Thomas... This close to being Survivor winner, Sierra Don yes, Thomas? Survivor winner. Wow. Wow. And really, when I talk about my winner rankings, I talk about how much control did they exert on the season? Do you feel like that Sierra demonstrated control over anything that happened in the season? I mean, she certainly persevered. She certainly put up with these. Very difficult personalities, but do you feel like that there was one time where she
2: called the shot of okay, I'll tell you who's going home tonight? You know, she did control her temper. You know, that's that you can't understate that. But and she controlled the vote itself. I mean, she did decide who went home, right, Joaquin or Joe, and that's a big that was a big moment for her to. That was her decision. That was her decision. Yeah, she could have went with Joe, and you know, uh, she could have went with voting out Joe and then changing the the entire course of the game right there.
0: That's fair. That's fair. If those guys ended up working together. But I felt like that Rodney ends up broing down with Joaquin. So I don't know if that offer was still on the table. To, to vote out
2: Joe in that sense?
0: This, you're saying the decision of Joe versus Joaquin was her yes, call?
2: 100%. It was because okay. she was that swing vote. And had she not voted for Joaquin, then Joaquin would have still been in the game and it would have completely changed everything. Changed
0: everything if Joaquin is uh, still around. You know, um, we talk about these game changers and... There was that one moment where Sierra Don Thomas did indeed change the game.
2: Can you take us back to the final 8 reward challenge? <laughs> so when when they're on the the barrels themselves and they're all Yes. They're all so her uh, her tribe was split up and they're they have to roll on the barrels or they have to Transfer their entire team across the sand by only standing on barrels and walking aclo- across planks, and you find her try her team standing on one barrel while Mike is flopping around trying to roll the barrels himself on their side across uh, the sand, and he's exhausted. He's disgustingly exhausted and can no longer move. So she decides to stand on top of the barrel and starts rolling the barrel and herself <laughs> across the stand. barrel racer. No, that yes. is not what a barrel racer is. Let's not let's not disrespect the Don't get it twisted. Yeah, don't get it twisted. Let's not disrespect uh barrel racing now. Um Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry Tom <laughs> No listen, yes. you know barrel racing is a it's a big sport out in uh you know out across this country. There's eight hundred sanctioned tour events every year broadcast on ESPN and there's a, their own governing body. And over 3, million, wow. over $3 million are paid out each year in, in their events. So, you know, you can't, don't, don't be knocking on barrel racing at all. Okay. And perhaps one of
0: the top 10 survivor gifts that are out there. That'd be a good podcast. I don't know if it would convert to a podcast, but the all time great is survivor gifts. What, just a podcast about that, <laughs> that challenge? <Yeah>. Well, countdown. <laughs> Maybe it's a vote. Maybe it's an online vote of, uh, of what they are. Okay, Tom. We have Sierra now coming back here, ready or not. Here she comes. Game changer, Sierra. Do you think that there will be an adjustment in store for Sierra Don Thomas? She got the sort of a pseudo purple edit. Is that fair to say? Uh,
2: did she quit the game?
0: She. I know she didn't quit the game. I'm just saying, but she didn't get a lot of airtime. Is that is that fair to I say? I would say
2: post-march. She didn't get a lot of airtime.
0: Okay. I would say uh, a below replacement level amount of airtime. Is that, is that fair? Fine, that's fair. I mean, if we, t- if we took a look at average confessionals per episode by Survivor, I would think that and maybe the numbers don't back that up, but that's at least uh, what the feeling is about the her. The numbers back so here- up
2: post-merge. That's what I'll say. Okay. In the pre-merge, okay. she has a lot of uh, you know commentary that is important to some of the decisions that were made for the Blue Collar Tribe. So she gets lost in the shuffle with a lot of the big personalities in that
0: season. So do you feel like that she comes back with needing to make an adjustment? Do you think that she says, hey, you know what? This time around,
2: you're going to hear me. This time around, I am going to make big moves. Watch out, world. I don't think she needs to make too much of an adjustment. And here's why. She was the only person in Worlds Apart to be unanimously voted out. And having said that, she received four votes in her final tribal council. She only received six votes the entire season. Two of those being in her first tribal council. So she never received any votes at tribal council in between her first tribal and her last. That is very... That, that's, I think it just goes to show her strong social gameplay that she had and the bonds that she was able to make. She was an asset for her tribe physically and socially. sociable. She People wanted to keep her around because they liked playing with her. So I think that towards the end, she needs to be more aware of the personalities that are playing and try and position herself so that she can make it to that final tribal. And if she is ever on the block or at jeopardy of being voted out, she can't be saying that her pitch is to stay in the game. I mean, one of her biggest flaws was her final five tribal where she's pitching to stay in the game because she deserved to stay there because she worked hard. Because she, you know, was good around camp. You know, even Jeff Probst had called her out and said, like, isn't that the case to get rid of you? Because tonight you should be telling me that you can't win. You know, you don't win a challenge. And I think that is the one the one flaw in her game was her the way that she kind of went out. She didn't make a case to keep her. And I don't disagree with
0: anything you're saying, but based on what we know about Sierra Don Thomas, and I know almost nothing besides (laughs) what's on Worlds Apart about her, do you think that she is going to make that same assessment about her game? Do you think that she's going to say, you know what, I had the right idea the first time, or do you think that she is going to be more compelled to
2: come back and really shake it up this time? I think that she'll be more compelled to shake it up but I don't think that she'll necessarily have the opportunity to do so. I mean, if we take a look at the tribe that she's on, there are some big personalities that are gonna try and be the leader and she's not I don't think she fits well as the leader of a tribe, so she'll do well in being that girl that is going to help around camp that can be there to mend people's uh you know feelings and to create strong social bonds while you have Brad Culpepper making waves throughout the tribe and having some other people that are going to put some bigger targets on their on their back.
0: Okay. So that's a great segue to get into talking about the people she's going to be playing survivor with in season 34. And I would like to start this conversation of people that she could potentially be working with, with somebody that she has a very strong connection with. And no, I'm not talking about Haley Ford who's on the other tribe. Who is that? I want to take you. I don't
2: remember her. Who? (laughs) Who? (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right well, hold on hold that thought so i want to take you back to may of 2016 when the idea and the birth of the of fan favorite sierra dawn thomas came to be it was the survivor price is right and i want to play you this clip The contestants if they win they win the showcase prize uh, george start us out with the first showcase please Well, Thomas and Sireen and Latrina and Joe, we've enlisted Survivor fan favorites, Ozzy and Sierra, to help present this showcase! Whoa! Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, so Ozzy and Sierra fan favorites, but listen to this, it gets even crazier. And it starts with a trip to one of the most beautiful locations the castaways have ever competed. Amazing Fiji! Whoa! (laughs) Are we sure that Sierra Don Thomas didn't just win the showcase that day? (laughs)
2: is that how sari got there did she win the showcase? Whoa, whoa 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 rob let's not go there hey hey no throwing shade <laughs> i'm supposed to be doing that not you sorry all right uh all right so fan favorite
0: uh sierra don thomas as told to us by the price is right so all right uh ozzy and sierra so they know they know each other they seem pretty chummy talking about that that showcase you know good for them right do you think is there a possibility could that be a showman's
2: uh, a showman's showdown? Well, I mean it's going to be tough with Debbie on the tribe. You know, you know she's she's quite <laughs> she's quite the the gazer over there. I mean, no showman's for Sierra Don Thomas in
0: Worlds Apart. But do you sense that? I mean, I don't know much about her. Is she uh, as uh, the great Jeff Schroeder uh, might ask? Is she single and ready to I mingle?
2: Mean, she may be single and ready to mingle, but. She, in her, in her pregame profile for Worlds Apart, she called her, herself Parvati. She said that, you know, hands down, she's most like Parvati because she's not overly aggressive and she used her female traits to her advantage. So, you know what? Sierra may flirt around. She may, uh, you know, try and use her attractiveness to her advantage, but that's not going to stop her and she's not going to let that cloud her judgment. So do you think that Ozzy will potentially be a friend to her? Uh, I think she'll be friends to everyone on that tribe. So definitely, yes.
0: So who do you think that she's going to bond with? I mean, do you think that with... uh, Are there any
2: people that stand out to you as potential allies for Sierra Don I think that she's going to bond with Andrea very well because they are both young and they're both uh, very strong as well, emotionally and physically. So I think that she'll bond with uh, Andrea you know,
0: I feel like that the last time around that Andrea played, I feel like that Andrea didn't get along great with the other women in Carolina. Well, that's because Philip said
2: that she wasn't allowed to talk to
0: them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, she was with uh, Nat 10 and Ashley Underwood back in Redemption Island, but they were always closer. She was always like the third wheel well, there. You know,
2: Maybe Andrea's game has changed and maybe Andrea's going to be more welcome to... Forming tight alliances with the other female in her tribe. So, is there anybody else? You
0: have any reason to believe a, a connection for or against a Sierra with any
2: of these other people in her tribe? I mean, she's such a blank she's slate. a Blank slate, and I think that's what works to our advantage. I mean, we've seen in Worlds Apart that she can handle a wide range of personalities, right? And I think that her tribe, she'll be able to fit in wherever she needs to, and she'll be able to see where where is it that Uh, She can just kind of squeak by and make it, you know, just a couple more days.
0: Do you think that she's going to be anti any sort of guys alliance because it didn't really work out great for her? You know, she was sort of on the outside looking in uh, a little bit like if some of these guys are getting together, do you think that she's going to be? more likely to want to break that up? Or is she happy to sort of jump on board again? I think again? she'd
2: be happy to just jump on board again. And I don't think that there's any reason to believe that she would be against this bro down because the bros, it, it it's we've seen time and time again that they don't work out well. It, it's very rarely do a bro, does a bro down stay a bro down for so long. I mean, they eventually will have to target each other. And if they have any sort of gameplay themselves, they're going to want to go after each other because they know that, the Bros will quote unquote be better at winning the challenges, so Sierra you know if she's that fifth link with you know some of these these bros these bros themselves, she'll you know kind of squeak in and get a get rid of a couple of them while she can she's
0: such an unknown that I do feel like that she is set up really, really well there's a lot of people in this season where okay well, that person is gunning for that person, that person is gunning for that person you gotta watch out for that person that person's a threat, look out. But with her, you don't say anybody has got to have her in their top 10 targets
2: coming into this Oh, n- No doubt. I. It doesn't make any sense for any of them to get rid of her, even in the pre-merge, right? I mean, she's going to be such an asset to them winning because she's strong, she's tall, and she functions so well in these challenges that she's not going to be a target at all. And then once you come to the merge, there's going to be so many other personalities that are going to uh, be targeted before her. So, you know, she's set up really, really well to replicate very strong uh, endgame in uh, Survivor Game Changers. Yeah. You know, you're making a good case. Uh, I think uh, I, mean, I have to just come to terms with it. She is going to win this thing. She is going to win. And, you know, she has so many different skills that are refined. And uh, I think that we just didn't get a chance to see them. So, you know, mark it here first. She is the person in this cast that should be from worlds apart. She's that one player.
0: All right, well, let's talk about this because you've been teasing this. You think that Haley Ford is skating by here. Nobody's talking about uh, the Haley Ford. Why is she yeah, well? Well,
2: it doesn't make sense to me. If you rewatch that season of Worlds Apart, she didn't drive any strategy. We didn't get any confessionals of her, her thought process, what she was thinking about strategically. We got that from Sierra, even though you're going to say that she's under-edited uh, you know, and of Quiet in the post-merge. I totally agree. But we still got confessionals about what she was thinking strategically, who she wanted to be with, why she couldn't go with certain people throughout the game. And we never got one of those from Haley. All of Haley's confessionals were color commentary. And it just doesn't make sense to me that she is being considered a game changer because she said that she's in love with the Constitution and they named their tribe Merica. I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah, more of a name changer. <laughs> <laughs> so the, do you think that is there any bad blood or do you think it's a, a neutral relationship between Haley Ford and Sierra Don Thomas? Do you think they'll work together? No, I don't think Haley's going to make it to the merge, so they won't get a chance to work together. Okay. Well, come on. Your, your hate is blinding you towards Haley Ford <laughs> on this. That, tell me that do you think if they had the opportunity, either after a swap or after a merge, do you think that they would be likely to work together? Or do you think that people are going to look at them as a
2: pair and try to target I don't think them? they'll be looked at as a pair at all. I mean, they they didn't work together in their season, even though they are similar in age and they're both you know young women. I don't think that there's any reason to believe that they have any strong bonds within the game them itself.
0: Now, from what I understand, Sierra Don Thomas was brought in very late in the casting process. I don't believe her to be a survivor, super duper fan. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe she was a recruit even in her season. How many of these people does Sierra Don Thomas even know who they are? <laughs> uh,
2: why are you asking me? I, I don't know.
0: How- <laughs> well, I maybe as you know, as her number one supporter, you know, maybe how much of a backstory do you know from social media or anything like that? If she had been even following the seasons that came after well, her, she
2: was only on social media for her season and now she's no longer on it. So she's kind of taken a backseat and she's taken herself out of the the online community. So I would have to say she's not as invested in Survivor itself as some of the other players are. And
0: I'm not saying that she 100% needs to be, but at least for having a scouting report on a lot of these players, do you get the sense that she will know who, say, like a JT is or even a Brad Culpepper? she's certainly going to find out. Yes, well, she is going to find out. So, I mean, it's good to be a blank slate, but I think you'd like to have a little bit of background. And again, too much of it can be a bad thing. I can certainly uh, attest to that of just uh, basing everything off of what people did the first time and uh, forgetting that there's room for growth. So maybe
2: it's more of a positive. I think it's nothing to be worried about. She'll be able to fit in. She, She recognizes these personalities very well and how to manage them. So whether or not you know Brad Culpepper's history with Survivor or if you know you know what Ty is like in the game, she'll be able to recognize that and work it to her advantage.
0: Tom, any final thoughts about Sierra Dawn Thomas? Any other misconceptions you
2: want to write the record on? I just on? want everyone to know that not only is she a barrel racer, she also has refined acting skills and that oh. Sierra Dawn Thomas starred in the hit adventure comedy, Wieners, as what girl <laughs> number two? I kid you not. This is not. It's not what you think. Where are you getting I, this information? I from? watched this the clip. Fakeness? Is fake? No, I watched the clip on YouTube. She has an IMDb, okay. and Wieners is a road trip comedy about three friends who travel across the country in a wiener wagon to beat up a popular daytime talk show therapist, and it stars Keenan Thompson. And there is a scene with her in it, and you know she's she's in it. You know she, she search the clip. You can find it on uh, on YouTube. Now, Wiener's the movie. Is this a sequel to Good Burger? <laughs> it should have
0: been, right? Maybe it would have done a little bit better. Wow. So, Sierra Don Thomas, she makes out with Keenan Thompson in a movie. Yes,
2: the the SNL, you know. What up with that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. So, who knows? Uh, really, expect the unexpected expect with Sierra Dawn Thomas. That's a that's, game
2: changer for sure right there.
0: That's the lesson that we are learning from the, the great fan favorite, And who knows, maybe, uh, you know, we all laughed the night that she was on The Price is Right. But could that
2: be a self-fulfilling prophecy? 100% was. 150,000%.
0: Well, Thomas and Saree and Latrina and Joe, we've enlisted Survivor fan favorites, Ozzy and Sierra, to help present this showcase. Is this final two spoiler? (laughs) Ozzy and Sierra. Is that it? No, the, <laughs> Going to Fiji. Maybe. We it was right in front of our faces <laughs> the whole time uh, way back before they even filmed the season. All right, Tom, a uh, really great job on all of this. I know that this was a uh, a tall order, much like Sierra Don Thomas, uh, to come in here and talk about her game. But I think that you probably opened a lot of people's eyes to what her potential is. And I sure season. hope
2: so, because, you know, I know people, believe it or not, you know, you don't you know, don't want to even consider Sierra being on this season. But if she would have been on Millennials versus Gen X, she would have been loved. And so, even though she had a, an invisible edit in uh, Worlds Apart, she's gonna come out in Game Changers and really change all of your hearts. Okay, Tom is on Twitter.
0: He is at Tom Tamillo. That's Tom. T-U-M-I-L-L-O has a beautiful avatar of him with Sierra Dawn Thomas. Uh, I told you might be. Is that crop? The, 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 is that that's, Photoshop? that's canon right there. That's, that's, that's real. That's real.
2: That's real. <laughs> All right. Uh, great stuff, Tom. Anything else? No, just uh, thanks for having me on, Rob. It's been this was a lot of fun.
0: Okay. Uh, it was a lot of fun for me as well. And uh, good luck to fan favorite Sierra Dawn Thomas in the upcoming Survivor Game Changers. All right, everybody, there you have it. Tom Tamillo talking about Sierra Don Thomas. I thought he did a very good job there taking somebody with just the one season that they've played and uh, really doing a good job of talking through what she did in that season. So uh, thanks again to Tom and another fun Game Changers podcast in the books. But we've got so much more coming up. I'm going to bring you guys the next four Game Changer previews all coming up next week. So I think we're looking at going maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday with Saving Thursday for some other off-season podcasts. And also my Hunted recap that we're going to drop on Thursday covering the Hunted season finale. So be on the lookout for a lot of podcasts coming from me next week. On Monday, I have a show that I'm very excited for you to hear. We have our Sandra Diaz-Twine deep dive. First, we're going to go back and take a look at everything in Sandra's two winning campaigns with one of the greatest Sandra experts around, Paul Aslison. You've heard him on the Tribe podcast and the Survivor Historians podcast. He's going to join me to talk about all things Sandra in the past and then to talk about Sandra's present and future, I'm going to be talking with Aaron Robertson, another Sandra super fan. And we're going to go through everything that Sandra has said about playing Survivor on this podcast, the people that she's going to be playing with, relationships she's had. That's all coming up in our all Sandra spectacular on Monday. So make sure you don't miss any of that when you subscribe to the podcast. Rob has a website com. Slash iTunes. And then for our patrons on Tuesday night, I'm going to be getting back into the Rob has a podcast patron cast. That's where I take phone calls from the listeners. We go about three hours on that. People call in. I answer questions. Lots of fun is had by all. If you want to find out more about that and listen to our 30 plus previous patron cast going back to, I think, March or April of 2014, We've done a lot of them. We've never missed a month. That's all at rob has dot com slash patron for more information about that. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I really do appreciate all of the feedback we get on this, both on rob has a dot com and the feedback that I get on social media. I'm at Rob Sister, you know looking forward to hearing what you guys had to say about our all thomas podcast j t. thomas sierra don thomas Thomas Tamillo. It's a Thomas Palooza here on the podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.